Hello and welcome to the Court Games LCG Podcast. I'm not sure if I'm still the LCG Podcast, seeing as there's no longer a living card game. This is the Court Games Dead Card Game Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Trevor Cuba, a.k.a. Kikita Onimaru. I'm joined today with uh, Serenity from the Nisei Project. Uh, Please introduce yourself, Serenity. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm So I'm Serenity. I'm the community manager at Nisei. Um, and I'm really hoping that you get something similar set up to continue well 5R. Now, how many of us L5R nerds have been bombarding you and your associates uh, in the last couple of weeks <laughs> with messages of like, how do you guys do what you do? Including you, I've uh, had messages or emails from four people. Oh, okay, that's not that bad. No, no, not too bad at all. Um, and yeah, that's about what I would have expected, really. Every time a, a game dies uh, or gets cancelled, uh, we get at least one email from people saying, we also refuse to accept the situation. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine with uh, Fantasy Flight, a lot of these little organizations tend to pop up here and there. Yeah, and, and, and the same with... Uh, there's been... Since Nisei started... I've had conversations with seven or eight people uh, looking to continue a card game. So it's not just FFG. There's a, there's a lot of card games that are, are going down the same cancellation route um, hmm. in the last two years. There is something to be said about the nature. Uh, well, COVID has obviously done a lot of damage to any sort of organized play or live event structure in the last year, uh, for one part. But also the shifting way of the market. Everything's going digital or print on demand. Uh, it is something to be said that the tabletop gaming market is kind of fundamentally shifting in an odd way. I'm not sure where they're going right now. Yeah, I suppose with the gaming stores open, uh, your traditional companies like FFG don't have the same route to market that they would do previously. Um, if they don't have their own distribution arm to get products out to people, they're relying on stores ordering it in and then the stores doing the mail order portion. Um, and as we all know, like your friendly local gaming store is great for going into, but not all of them have mail order. Absolutely. And I, I think one of our, uh, in our podcast network, uh, the Art of Warcast, they were mentioning that game stores have become less and less a place where you purchase games because many games are being kickstarted. Many games are, mm-hmm. even Fantasy Flight was doing a kind of thing that made a lot of stores mad where you got better bonuses from ordering directly from Fantasy Flight than going through your local game store. So now they're trying to make their business on the back end of being a more of a pub hangout spot, a place where you go to hold tournaments or hang out and play games or mill about and find some games to get into. Yeah, we found a lot of uh, stores, at least around my area. Um, there's been one or two who have said, no, we didn't want anything more to do with Netrunner because we can't risk angering FFG. Um, but there's also been a large number of them who have said, sure, like, do you want us to buy the prize kits or do you want to buy the prize kits and just pay us on a per seat basis? So, I mean, that's what I do. I, I buy the prize kits and run uh, events in two local stores and they both charge me like £3 per person for, for, for the seating and the space. Yeah, I have found that most game stores, especially the one I go to, or at least used to go to, hope to go back to as soon as the pandemic is over, uh, are pretty amicable about like, 
getting the price support on their end as long as there's not too much cost on their end as long as there's like a motivated individual to organize and run things and not like screw over the community they tend to be more than willing to just give you the keys unless you run wild <laughs> to a degree yeah yeah well i suppose it, for, for them it's a especially if they've got someone buying the kit and running it themselves because uh, one of the things the first things we did when we released our sc was a store of championship kit was to say you don't have to be a store to run this if you want to run this in a local cafe go for it um so the stores are like well it's easy money for them if it's a day they didn't have any event on anyway there's no risk for them if nobody turns up then they've not lost anything um and if they get 50 people turn up for an event well that's 150 quid in their pocket and there's not to do anything but open up and sell spare card sleeves so yeah, win-win on their side is just the uh, the individuals running it takes a little bit of risk and stuff. But if you're a passionate individual, uh, it might be no risk at all, honestly. Um, speaking of risky ventures, uh, let's not bury the lead and stuff. Um, Serenity, can, can you tell me about the Nisei Oil project and life after the death of Netrunner? Like, how did your organization come to be? If I'm not mistaken i believe i saw either you yourself or uh just the netrunner community when l5r was coming in for under ffg's umbrella i saw that the netrunner community already had a very strong fan support network and you guys collaborated to um get streaming and your games at gen con i was like oh they, these folks have it going on we need to follow their step so uh please give me the, the elevator pitch of nisei and the netrunner community so i mean you, you're right that netrunners uh community has always been fairly um strong there's a lot of stuff that um we've either done ourselves or thought hey we could do better than that so for example like the tournament uh, running software that everybody pretty much uses um, even before FFG uh, stopped running the game, we'd all switched over to Cobra, which was created by a guy in the UK called Jono. Um, <laughs> and so we've always been a very much a, no, we, you know, we'll do it ourselves. We, we're quite happy to just crack on <laughs> and get on with it. Um, so uh, when the article came out announcing Netrunner's cancellation, we all had a moment, much like I can imagine you and all of your listeners can well resonate with um which was no i don't like this mm. and then I, I know i spent about five days just walking around in a state of shock i was in work when uh the the article dropped and my boss was like you were right who's died and i said like, never on up um it was, then, it, was, it was very <laughs> rough i mean for me uh personally this is the second time l5r has died on me and honestly like sadly it gets easier the second time uh but yeah it, it's hard to look at people and say it's like what major tragedy has befallen you and stuff like oh this card game i like to pay isn't being produced anymore which is like sounds <laughs> like not that big of a reason it was like oh no it was a big part of my 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 social circle of my you know <laughs> what i do my hobby yeah i mean luckily my boss uh at the time was a, a huge nerd and like he was well aware that um when i'd got divorced a year earlier two years earlier whenever it was um that i'd dived heavily into netrunner just as a something to get to give me something to do at the weekends um 
and like that, and the, that I'd made a load of friends there, and that I'd been to um, I'd been to Minnesota with a load of Netrunner players. So he was well aware that it was a big deal for me. But um, I mean, for me personally, um, the cancellation um, and how much I'd got out of Netrunner, I was very, very vehement that no, it's not going out like this. Like we don't go down without swinging. And then um, some some people posted up on uh, Stimhack, which is one of our community forums, saying that right, we're, we're basically we're cancelling the apocalypse. Um, we're forming an organisation called Nisei. Um, if you want to get involved, get on Slack and uh, join uh, join this channel where we'll be talking about what's going on. Um, and a number of individuals, I think six. To eight individuals set themselves up as just like as a temporary acting um, group. So they handled the comms. They basically started fielding questions and getting lists of people who were interested. And then they found uh, a group of people that became known as the selection committee, who were well-known and well-invested netrunner players, including like, a couple of world champions. Um, and some some well-known like famous deck builders and and the likes, um, but who didn't have the time or thought that they didn't have the skills to be part of Nisei itself, and so they went away with the criteria that come up with what you think the structure should look like, and then recruit for that. So there was nobody coming and going, okay, well, I'm in charge um, and this person's my game designer and this person's in charge of this. It was a, right, these are the jobs that we think need to be done. If you think you can do them, apply for it. And that seems to be the stage that L5R is currently at. We have the Jade Council name pending. I think they're still batting around a few name and branding ideas. I think once that group comes formally comes together, they're going to do a rebrand of everything. Uh, but it seems to be organized by some folks who are kind of like the 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 who's who, some known individuals who are known for running tournaments, running servers, things of that nature in the community already and stuff. It does ring, like, something I've noticed uh, as someone who is, like, kind of part of it and had thrown his hat in the ring of trying to get uh, become more part of it, uh, this weird sense of, like, oh, this kind of self-appointed group of cool kids have decided, like, yeah, what we're doing is what's going on, and uh everyone else fall in line is that kind of like is there a weird feeling of that is was there any kind of like consternation going on there um i think one of the advantages of doing it the way we did was that there was no one saying we're in charge and we're doing it this way it was a something's going to happen we want people to get involved so there was like there's no drive at that point to set up a splinter group if you get like because everyone's like, well, you know, I might still be involved in this. Why would I want to go and set up another one elsewhere? Okay. Um, and then by the time recruitment had finished, um, everyone was like, okay, well, this is what's going on because these people have picked the people that they think are best. Like it was well well known that like this wasn't a, like a, a a buddies thing. It wasn't a who you know. 
for example, um, I mean, if you look at the selection committee and the amount that I'd placed well at, at tournaments beforehand, I knew maybe one of the selection committee in passing and none of the rest. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think uh, today, uh, as we're recording right now, is the last day to participate in the L5R uh, application process to be um, uh, considered for who's going to be in charge of this new project. So who knows what's going to, like, by the time listeners hear this, is going to be well past the time to apply. Uh, but everything seems to be going pretty good. Uh, I don't, th- like, there was a little bit of confusion about two different groups, but they're actually working together right now, and everything seems to have coalesced under one umbrella, so that's pretty good. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about the journey of Nisei of... So you're continuing what is essentially a dead game, a dead game that's kind of owned by two different properties or companies. Um, How do you go about navigating the legal waters of we have a product that we're trying to, I mean, I I think even saying product is a strong word because it implies that you are a for-profit organization, which as as I understand is not the case. Could you clarify? Yeah, we're we're a non-profit. Okay. Uh, so how do you guys go about um, doing what you do to get a community organized while avoiding treacherous legal water, so let's say? Okay, well, the, the first thing we did um, was establish that we would use nothing that uh, FFG had made. So no um, card templates, no faction glyphs, Every single like graphic aspect of the cards themselves was redesigned from scratch, um, because we knew that that was a potential route to being an issue. Um, mm. We also set up, we also it's it's a it's a weird thing. Like we are effectively writing card game fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, we position ourselves as being compatible with Netrunner. Yeah. Do you reference official lore at all? Because uh, no. Alpha is a property that is heavily defined by its established uh, lore. Uh, so we're in this weird situation of like, how do I depict a Crane Clan, Kikita, Samurai without using those names or branding? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that, that's tricky. Um, I'm for us, the only sticking points really were the names of the corporations because uh, Shaper, Criminal, and Anarch, the name of the three factions, they're just words. Um, like, there's no copyright on, on those words. What we do law-wise was the first thing, our very first set um, purposefully divulged from the, uh, the Android standard fiction. So we we kind of like an alternate timeline to what FFG are doing with theirs. So you're saying there's like no uh, known characters in your game at all uh, that were like original for the original IP. Nothing no, that we, we we um, we we've kind of like alternate timeline a little bit in the future. So we've made our own characters, and we don't we don't use any of. There's 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 a couple of subtle references to um, some of them either in like a, a piece of art like an homage um, and in our first set we we did uh, three characters 
that had previously been identities in the game for you to play, we included as a resource. Um, as a, these three have retired now, but if you need anything, you can call on them to get these effects kind of stuff. But no, mostly we're having fun writing stuff in our own little sandbox, to be honest, without looking at <laughs> what FFG have done. I mean, fair enough. I mean, that's something I kind of look forward to. Just like, oh boy, I need to... There, there, there's a certain amount of hubris of going, I think I could do it better than you. Uh, but then watching Fantasy Flight, you know, kind of repeatedly go down these wrong paths with lore and organized play-wise. I don't want to sit here and, like, make this the uh, the poo-poo on Fantasy Flight games. That was my last podcast. But I... <laughs> <laughs> but I was full of rage. I just started recording. Uh, but there is something to be said about um, how they handle organized play, and they only seem to really want to like support games up to a point. Like they only seem to have like a three to five year attention span at best with these things. Uh, how does Nisei handle organized play and get folks oh, in a world where there's not a pandemic? Uh, how do you all get people together? So uh, we sell. Uh, kits from uh, game night kits, uh, store champs, regionals, nationals, um, and then we ourselves run the continentals and world championships each year. Um, with the the first two kits, you can just buy them. Uh, you, you can get them on our um, online store. Um, anything regional and above, we do via application. So if you want to run a regional, you apply and tell us where it is you want to run it. And we just do that to make sure that we don't have two in the same town. Mm. Um, I don't know how many last time, if we did actually even turn down any regional applications. Um, and from nationals, uh, we do the same. You, If you want to run a nationals, you apply. Uh, if we accept you, you send us the money, we send you the kit. We have uh, we have some very good community tools around that. So, uh, as well as people posting their events on like regional Facebook groups, we also have uh, a website called Always Be Running, which uh, someone in the community built, and uh, it's just basically a list of all upcoming tournaments around the world. Yeah. Uh, what kind of attendance do you all have? Depends a lot on where. So there are some, like, where I live, like, I don't actually know if there are any other Netrunner players within 30 miles of me. Um, but <laughs> there, there are still some quite strong metas, certainly in the UK, uh, the US, and Germany all have a lot of, uh, lot of players. We sell, a, we sell a lot of our kits to, to those things. Um, I'm sorry, the Worlds last year, sorry, not last year, the year before, we ran that ourselves in Rotterdam. And we had, oh God, I'm trying to remember now, about 300 people, just shy of 300 people, I think it was. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, it, it, it was the second biggest Netrunner Worlds that there's been. Um, I mean, partly that is because previous years, FFG worlds were uh, shared at the same time as, so they were on it, for example, at the same time as L5R uh, mm. world championships in their thing. So there was a capacity limit for them. But um, yeah, the only one that's been bigger so far has been the one at the end of Netrunner's life, uh, the one FFG called Magnum Opus. Uh, the big farewell tournament? 
the big farewell tournament and my first world championships, which was made me very much regret having never been. Mm, mm. But it's it's a it's a long old flight and an expensive trip from the UK. I remember the first time L5R died, uh, and that was the Gen Con tournament where I actually got like top 16 or something for my faction. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, yeah, sure. Right where the game dies is when I start doing well. Time to learn a new version of this game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to say that I did well at Magnum Opus. I started well. I was like 5-1 up after three rounds, and then I just crashed. <laughs> Uh, I came up against the person that eventually ended up being world championship, and I don't world champion, and I didn't recover from that point. Oh boy! Uh, do you have a? So you mentioned you have uh, organizations in both Europe and America. Um, you know, because us Americans, we're, we're such singular individuals. Uh, how does your organized play work? Do you have like a Euro OP team and an American OP team, or how does that work? Because I know that like. The official L5R Fantasy Flight for both versions, actually for the AEG and FFG, has always been like a weird divide between America and Europe and other nations. How do you all handle that? So everywhere gets treated exactly the same for us. Um, But in terms of organization, we have one OP manager, Austin. Um, In their team is um, we have a... uh, OP coordinator for Americas, uh, one for uh, the EU, and one that covers the rest of the world. And so when it comes to shipping out of packages, they're handled at one of those three hubs. We also have uh, a, um, well, we're about to recruit one for Canada because shipping from the US to Canada is apparently a bit of a pain. Uh, we're going to yeah, weirdly one. so. No idea why. <laughs> yeah, what we're recruiting one for the UK because thanks Brexit, um, and we also have an organised play coordinator for online. So all of our online tournaments are organised by this OP coordinator. Because even outside of the pandemic, we still ran online tournaments every now and again. Because there are people that can't make it to the big real life ones, so we want them to still be able to play and win fun prizes. Yeah, Alpha Var currently has a online hub resource on Jigoku, which I believe is like a legacy code from either Netrunner or a previous FFG game that had previously died. Uh, and the community was just like, "Well, we'll just take this those ball and start running with it." Um, and we're interested in doing tournaments with that, with the caveat of like, well, the, the it's hard coded to have like the names of these cards and the picture, official art of these cards running here. Um, have you guys have to deal with that at all? Of having an online browser based version that is still using official art and names, or have you guys uh, swapped uh, all? That? We net, the netrunner community has one. Uh, however, it's it's not something that uh, falls under Nisei and has, in, has existed for years. Uh, it's called Jinteki. Um, mm. And um, yeah, uh, that still has FFG cards on it because they're still legal in standard. And as much as we'd love to, we do not have the art budget or the time to replace the art on every single card. 
Oh, I hear that. Uh, speaking of budget, um, what have some of the challenges been for a project like this? Uh, either ones that you all saw coming or ones that kind of blindsided you? Uh, Budget-wise, um, I mean, it's not been that much. Um, well, actually saying that, the, the uh, location hire for Worlds was uh, eye-opening. I mean, we knew it wasn't going to be cheap, and we knew that we'd probably make a loss on it. But when I started shopping around, because originally we were like, okay, well, we're going to have it in Europe. Let's get some prices like mainland UK and... So mainland Europe and UK, and I, I called a couple of convention centres and they told me prices, and I was just like, nah, nah, thanks, we we'll, uh, we won't be in touch because some of these conference centres go for a lot of money. You go find a barn somewhere. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we we happened to come across this wonderful venue in Rotterdam, and I think it was an old power station. And it's just this massive industrially feeling building with like blue and purple and red lighting all around. And it's just like perfect Netrunner venue. And, and that was not as expensive as, for example, the Hilton Conference Center in Birmingham. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> as someone who's had his hand in running anime conventions, uh, I know a bit of that struggle. Uh, speaking of lessons I've learned from anime conventions, uh, how has your team of being mostly volunteers held up? Because um, you know everyone has passion and everyone has a drive and a commitment and stuff. But then, like the realities of like, hey, we're all not getting paid for this. This is kind of a passion thing, and my real life is kind of getting in the way of the time I thought I would have to dedicate to this wing. Uh, how has that been? I don't only bring it up because I want people to understand like the real struggles. Like I see people go into fan events, especially like anime conventions, just you know, full of energy and passion. And within a few months, they'll peter out because um, it's more pacing. <laughs> they didn't like they didn't yeah. temper their expectations, and they like will burn themselves out creatively very early on. Well, I think when we first started. Um... I know there were a large number of us, uh, of the, the eight original, uh, the board members that started off. We were all working full-time jobs and then, put, then doing 20-hour uh, weeks on top of that in Nice, if not more. Um, and then there's all the other stuff, like if you're a parent or you've got a partner that you'd like to see occasionally. Uh, that, that, I mean, that all, um, that all adds up and burnout is very real I, i've come close at one point um and i was i was talking to a couple of the, my fellow board members and just saying that like i'm i'm struggling to find time to do everything like this is really getting to me um and then they pointed out like why if you need help with something recruit somebody you don't have a wages budget you've got to meet mm -hmm. so it, like Nisei at the moment is like 60 people. Um, and some people will just put a couple of hours in a week. Some people, like especially at the moment with spoiler season, um, Spencer, bless him, is, is like putting in every hour, um, mm. like making sure the articles are, are right and on the site ready for me to release. And uh, the graphics team are getting everything ready and the rules team are working. So like you will have weights. 
Um, but when we recruited, we asked, how many hours a week do you think you have spare that you can dedicate to Nisei? And when we were looking at that, I mentally halved it. Because everyone's everyone's like, oh yeah, I've got like, I can do three evenings a week for a couple of hours, and so and then a little bit of the weekend. So let's say ten hours. It's like, okay, well, somebody's going to come up one night a week. They're going to they've probably forgotten that they've got to go and do their shopping and their washing and stuff at the weekend. So let's let's just work. For, assume five mm-hmm. at best, <laughs> <laughs> because people do just. Um, they get enthusiastic and they overestimate how much time they're going to have to spend. And they may be able to spend that at the beginning. But as you say, it's pacing. You can't keep it up. Um, mm. like we're in the middle of a, a four-week, well, we're in the middle, we're seven days into a 28-day spoiler season. Um, and to be frank, I'm already starting to fry around the edges. I've got 21 days of this left. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if I wasn't working from home, I'd be in real trouble. If I had to actually get up in the morning before five to nine, to get to my desk for nine o'clock, <laughs> I would not be coping. Uh, um, uh, and speaking of, uh, this is something I've had to deal with at an anime convention. Of all, again, all volunteer organization, but there is a money in out situation, and obviously you all uh, use your money for your art budget and turn supplies and things mm-hmm. of that nature. Um, is it possible for the organization to? generate like not a profit but an income to have a paid staff of some sort i'm not familiar what exactly is the 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 tax bracket that your organization is a part of i think we're 501c but i can't remember it's because it's an american thing i I, like that's not something i understand your the the american tax code stuff Mm -hmm. um i would say probably not not if you want to pay your artists properly. Mm. So, like all of our, all of the external artists are paid at their their commission rate. Mm. Um, we have some internal artists who do stuff, partly because they they love the game and they've got some time spare, and also because for like a lot of them are learning so well doing this stuff like if you compare some of the internally generated stuff from our first set to some of the stuff in the later set and you go okay and this is two years later are you sure these are the same people because mm. they were good before but some of the art now it's like one of my favorite pieces in the last art set was um was a card that was done internally um by one of our volunteer artists and i absolutely love it it's as good as some of the stuff that we commissioned. So, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think it's possible to pay people like a salary. Like you could not have someone do this as, as their job. Um, mm. One of the things that we do is um, like whenever we're sending out batches of prizes to people, like at the moment we are in the process of sending out all of the world's prizes. Um, for for our world championships last year, and everyone in Nisei gets one of everything. So everyone gets paid. <laughs> yeah, they get they get uh, they get sweet alts, uh, yeah. especially those pe- the people that work the tournaments as well. Like they can't play and work the event at the same time, so they're giving up their opportunity to get sweet swag. Um, and and like 
no, like we've got these. We can print up extra play mats and send them to people. I can. We can get extra cards printed and send them to people. So well, that's that's our way of saying thank you. And in fact, when our second set came out, the second part of Ashes, uh, we put together a, a unique play mat that nobody outside of Nisei has a copy of. Just as a little thank you to everybody. Okay. <laughs> As I believe you me, the um L5R has a long history of being uh uh supported on the backs of people who are being severely underpaid. So <laughs> I understand how that goes. But uh uh no, I I'm bringing these things up more so uh listeners can have a um an expectation, you know. No one's getting rich off this thing. If anything, no. the, the literal opposite, you know, <laughs> it's probably gonna cost, you know, time and money and it's uh, somewhat of a thankless job at times. Yeah, I mean we if someone has an ex uh, as has an expense as part of it, then they'll get that money back. Like no one is going to be financially worse off as a result of doing these say work if we have like if, if we find out about it. Like, if you've bought something, send us the receipt, we'll send you the money. Um, but yes, in terms of time, you, you're definitely going to be time poorer. There's no <laughs> argument about that. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like budgeting my L5R time into like a different kind of L5R time. So it's really nothing for me. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I've, um, it's, once you get your organization set up and everyone is got an amount of work that they are comfortable with, it works well. I mean, we had, we did have some burnout in our first set because we pushed ourselves and we learned some lessons that, you know, obvious in hindsight. Um, like what? But uh, so, for example, um, the the stress of just getting all of the cards put together. Now we've we've got a fancy new templating tool that does a lot of that stuff for us. But um, just the okay, here's the art and here's all the pieces and trying to put them together. We ended up just having like one person doing it and that's too much. Oh, yeah. um, so so I, I, in order to ease that off now, um, Gateway's been a little bit different because um, it was already running late thanks to COVID-19 issues. Mm. But um, I now don't, like, I don't even plan to announce a, a release date until the cards are done and like that way if anything happens and anything's running late it's no big deal yeah i guess the the, the freedom of ha not you know being for profit and not trying to make like quarterly releases means like you're not beholden to a very tight schedule so you don't have like this apocalyptic deadline looming overhead <laughs> you know, oh my god 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 <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it was like for uh, L5R, but for for Netrunner, like FFG announced their releases, like they would do the release articles two card packs ahead. So <laughs> we'd still be waiting for a, a pack to turn up when they'd ever announce the first one of the next cycle. Uh, Since I, I, I'm not familiar with other FFG games because I came over from uh, AEG and I, was, mm -hmm. I just followed this particular property around. Uh, but I did notice, I don't know if it started with us or if it just like became their modus operandi, but uh, Fantasy Flight seemed extremely hesitant to put a solid date on anything. 
Uh, and I don't even blame them because it seems like as soon as they put a solid date on something, guaranteed they'd be two months off of it. You know, if some if so, if they never mention it's it's if they never acknowledge a date, they get things done on time. But as soon as they say like, oh, this is going to be out on June first, good luck seeing that in August. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I also play uh, Star Trek Attack Wing, or I, I try to. Should they ever actually release any product for it? Um, hmm. But I think some of the stuff there was significantly later than they originally announced. Uh, so, yeah, we made a mistake with uh, Gateway, our new set, when we said it was going to be out last June. Um, and we said that a year and a half ago now, we were like, next set's going to be out of June because we announced it just after World Championships 2019. Um, and then various stuff happened and... It ended up, okay, you know what? This is actually going to be December. Yeah. Then other stuff came up, and we're like, you know what? Actually, it's going to be Q1. Um, so we are, and we are going to make Q1 pretty much by the skin of our teeth, to be fair. Um, so, but we've, we've changed the way we work now. So, um, like the design team are, are a little bit ahead. And at some point, we'll get to the point where, Creative can pass it on, pass a set on to me um, for my team to release at the same time as Rules is passing off a set to them, and Dev is passing off a set to Rules, and Designer passing off a set to Dev. And you know that's how we should we want to get it to be like a a, a factory conveyor belt process. Yeah. And that kind of leads me to uh, a question I have about your job in particular, Serenity. Is um, now you to be clear, you are the community manager. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Uh, so, how do you and your team specifically go about? Like, you have like these long stretches of when cards are being released, with a policy of like it's done when it's done. Uh, how do you maintain balance of keeping the community? entertained informed hyped up and also assuaging all of their fears for those long stretches of time um right that's actually something that we have still got improvements to make on um because one of the the bits of feedback we got was um okay we know you're in prep for spoiler season at the moment because we do a big like multi-week event every time we have a product out we know you're doing work on that, but you've been really quiet because you've been working on that. Um, but it's something that, um, so during last summer, for example, we had four, five major tournaments um, over the course of the summer, all run online. So with OP, you know, that keeps people going. And to stop the meta getting stale, um, you can switch up the, the ban list. And we also did something called Salvaged Memories, where we brought a card back for, from each faction that has been rotated, just to mix the meta up for, for three months while we waited for Gateway to come out. So, okay. um, and I mean, I'm assuming that L5R is much like Netrunner in that even when you're not doing something, the community probably are, like running little side tournaments or having fun playing around with something different 
We have been doing a lot on uh, Jai Goku, especially in this last year, doing dirt because of COVID uh, yeah. going on. Uh, I will say that the tournament or the community tends to go into lull periods in between, like the tournament season, like the tournament season, kind of for competitive players are the bread and butter. So it's like a ramp up and then ramp down depending on when are we going to be meeting and slinging cards at each other. Yep. And we all go to hyperdate for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so we have uh, store champ season is usually uh, Q1, part of Q2. Regionals is Q2, Q3. Nationals is Q3, Q4. Um, with Worlds in there in Q4 as well. Um, and our continentals tend to be run over like the summer period, like kind of like June, May to July kind of time. Um, so apart from the apart from the bit over Christmas where everyone's just like you've had your national, you have your nationals in November or December, um, and then we all go and have a little bit of a chill, <laughs> see our see our blood family <laughs> for for a bit before meeting up with our card family again in the new year for GNKs to mess around with before store champ season starts up again. So there isn't, we don't really have a lot. I've always said, well, actually I haven't always said, I've talked to myself at least um, that I think organized play is the true lifeblood of the game. Cause I'll be perfectly honest. Uh, the mechanics of the game, I'm not nearly that in love with so much as the setting. Like if we, if we could have a poker tournament and I could just go to a poker tournament and register as the crane clan and my wins or losses just get marked towards the goals of the metagame for the crane clan, I'd be happy. <laughs> That's all I really need. Well, I mean, uh, there's nothing stopping you from doing that. <laughs> Not, especially now FFG aren't around to tell you off. You know, you want, you want to run yourself a um, L5R poker, poker game? You crack on. <laughs> Man, the problem is just getting uh, the organized play to <laughs> recognize my poker wins as a victory for the Crane Clan. <laughs> but um, so uh, has uh, Fantasy Flight slash Asmo Day? Um, how does that work? Have they contacted you? you, you no, I would say if they unofficially contact you, obviously you're not going to say anything and stuff. But is there anything of just like we know you exist, uh, we're just going to stay out of each other's way kind of situation? How's that working out? No, we've we've we had a policy right at the beginning of do not talk to FFG, okay, like don't give them a reason to come to come at us, um. And, you know, we know they know about us. They can't not. We posted yeah. all of the Netrunner groups. Yeah. <laughs> we know that there are still FFG staff members here in the groups. Um, Max um, Williams. Someone even my... ran a store championship at their store. Mm. Um, but... My co-host, uh, Max Williams, uh, tells me the story of during the Magnum Opus, the uh, staff allegedly uh, were just like, well, we've got all this unreleased product and price support that we were going to give away and stuff. We're just going to leave this on the table and turn our backs for a little bit and wonder what happened to them. <laughs> so, that might have been after I left. I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> 
because uh, I made the mistake <laughs> of booking my flight home a day early like an idiot. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I was watching the stream of the grand final while sat in the airport. <laughs> Um, which was... One of my uh, fears for these projects is the sense that they can only grow to be so big because once it becomes a a bit uh, like um, it, uh, reach a certain level of notoriety or popularity, um, the 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 suits over at FFG and Asma Day would have to do something of some sort, even if you check all your arrows and you know, because enough money and enough lawyers who are just gonna you know will do what they want, or at least like. By taking it to court and forcing the issue is already the death knell. Doesn't mean even if they're right or not, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the fact of like we're going to go to court now. Well, I can't pay for court fees, so you win by default, you know, kind of situation. That's my kind of fear. Do you, so, are you navigate that and like what is your what is your organization's like goal for the future? Like, how big do you want or think you can get? I wonder. Um. I personally, my goal is to get as many people playing as possible and to keep the game going as long as possible. Um, I mean, I, I said to people when we started, uh, I was like, if we're, if we're still going in five years, I'll consider this all to have been a win. Like, even, even if the, like it goes and, and dies after five years, if we've managed to keep it going for five years and have people still turning up to tournaments... That's good enough for me. Um, I want more. Obviously, I want Netrunner to be around forever. Mm-hmm. I want people in the future to drive their flying cars to Netrunner tournaments. Uh, but, um, yeah, we, we just we want it to be as big as it can get. Uh, we, we're fully aware that we don't have the marketing budget of a large company um, we don't have the distribution arm of a large company, so we are never going to be a threat. Um, and also, when you consider it, like, what do they have? What would the big companies actually have to gain? Uh, I don't want to sound like a lawyer, but uh, my understanding has always been for not just for card games, but for video games and a lot of various fan projects. Um, if a company becomes aware of what you're doing that might breach the IP, they have to challenge it or yes. they lose the rights to challenge more direct things in the future. Yeah, um, there are exceptions to that. So stuff like, for example, um, fan works are completely legal Mm. um which is what we fall under and um but can you imagine like the hoo-ha that would be kicked up if (laughs) ffg like your fledgling jade council got kicked off and were and released their first set and then ffg came in and slapped them like Mm. no L5R player would buy an FFG product again. Yeah, it's um, it, it's one of those things where, and I, this whole situation, I've been blaming. Like, I I will blame the company. I will not blame the individual. So many individuals, uh, are real cool and real friendly, and are just as disrupt, uh, you know, distraught about this whole situation as the players are. Uh, but it's just the way that you know the nature of the beast, as it were. 
Um, again, as someone who works at anime conventions, uh, almost everything an anime convention does it operates in this weird legal gray zone that no one's really been wanting to push too far because everyone knows like the anime conventions makes all these things more popular. It bolsters the community. It does so much good. While at the same time, um, no one really wants to poke the fine print of legality of some of the things that goes on uh, less the whole bu bubble burst, you know, and there's similar mm -hmm. situation. You see this going on on YouTube and on Twitch and something like that. You know, anytime where a secondary organization deals with a primary original work, things start getting weird. And as you know, the digital age, you know, we're in it. And as it goes forward, we're going to have to deal with a lot more of these evolving questions. You know, what is a fan work versus what is a professional work? What is, you know, uh, um, hijacking an IP versus what is promoting an IP and strengthening it and adding value to it, you know? Yeah, I, you're right. It's, it's going to be a very interesting few years on the digital front. I mean, from, so I, um, I DJ on Twitch and there is, no way for me to get a license to be able to do that legally. It is actually mm. impossible. So if you speak to Twitch, they'll say, uh, no, you have, you, like, there's no agreement on this. You have to go and get an agreement with all of the um, record labels that do the yeah. music that you're playing. Um, and the record label will say, no, if, you're, if you want to play music, uh, you have to go and get a PRS license. And you speak to PRS, and they say, oh, we don't cover Twitch. <laughs> yeah, it's if weird. I was to broadcast over Facebook, because I'm broadcasting uh, music, uh, my stream would get shut down immediately. And if I put it up on YouTube, I get shut down immediately. There was a very, like, hilarious situation, I would say, uh, a month or two ago where BlizzCon happened and they had Metallica as the musical guests. And as soon as yes. they were broadcasting Metallica's concert on Twitch, Twitch shut off the audio and put generic background music on there because of the copyright rules that Metallica <laughs> fought to enforce. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hilarious. And I think something's going to have to change or at least we're going to have to get more jo joined up. Uh, I mean, I would I would pay for a license to be able to broadcast this stuff legally, um, and like my broadcast, my actual streams are fine. But the um, when you get the video on demand, half the audio is cut out because mm -hmm. I have no way of saying to Twitch I have the rights to play this. Uh, so yeah, I mean that's a very interesting thing. But I mean, certainly reading through the line between the lines of that L5R uh, thing. It certainly looks like they're keen for the community to continue uh, what they've done on, on their own backs. Um, oh, sure. It, it's, as, it's as obvious as I think they can get away with being without outright saying, come on, you dickheads, do a say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh... I'm not going to put anyone on blast and stuff, but uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of like blaring subtext saying like they kind of want things going on. And, who, and especially in this situation, like unfortunately with Nisei, uh, your IP is caught between two different companies right now who are, you know, one of them is just refusing to play ball. Uh, there's a possibility that uh, ours can 
foster some sort of revival of a certain point as long as if we raise the profile of the ip it's a it's a long shot but it's a possibility at the very least <laughs> yeah so ffg owns all of the l5r rights is that they, they, they bought the ip completely from aeg five years ago so uh, there and they still plan on doing things, and they have products still going out through their satellite company. So Aconite Books is still producing uh, official stories, uh, just not in a weekly fiction like we're kind of used to. But they're putting mm -hmm. out uh, books and novels uh, through that license. And then Edge Studios over there in England is running the RPG line, and they're still gearing up to see exactly what all that's going to be, but that's what's going to happen. And they mentioned that, you know, vaguely that they're going to do other products. I think signs are pretty clear. Like they're just going to make some sort of co-op version, kind of like Arkham Horror, uh, because that's like, I don't th like my bitterness aside, I don't think FFG wants to, or is even capable of doing a organized play system that is worth their time or effort. I think they are, they want to reduce down to being a board game company, which is more what their strengths are. Yeah, I mean that's that's fair. Um, they ma they make good games, um, and their OP people are great. But I think that they must be being hamstrung somewhere, or just not given the budget that they need. Because they've done some amazing events like. They had a uh, plugged-in tour for Netrunner tour mm. six odd years ago, and everyone I know who went to that said it was great and a load of fun. Um, but it's the only one of those they've ever done. Yeah. So there's, uh, there's a lot of stories of uh, FFG uh, um, individual teams, not just organized play, but individual teams not having the uh, budget or support that they really need and stuff. Some of it comes from management. Some of it comes from just because this is like two fairly large individuals that there's kind of too many uh, checks and balances for any one decision to get made that everything just goes at a glacial pace over there internally. <laughs> There's a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least in the US, you're you're dealing with FFG Direct, right? Like in in the UK, uh, mm. we had Asmodee do our uh, OP stuff, and they advertised uh, one of our nationals that they were going to do a draft event on the second day for people who hadn't made the cut. So I've, I've washed out hard on the first day. It was like, I don't even need to bring cards the second day because it's going to be draft. This is great. I haven't got to carry anything. Turned up at the event and then they realized that they hadn't actually brought the draft packs with them. <laughs> They're like, oh, we're running a um, we're running a different side event instead. You can play on that. I was like, well, I could if my cards were four miles away in my hotel. <laughs> so I'm just going to go buy some board games. <laughs> I'll see you guys later. Well, Serenity, it's been uh, great talking to you. I think it's a good, good time to wrap anything. Is there anything that you want to tell my listeners either about like the what they can expect for L5R or you want to give them a heart? Now is the time for a good pitch for the Nisei project. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, if, if you want to try uh, Netrunner, um, I don't know what date's this likely to come out? Uh, probably Tuesday. Oh, okay. Big asterisk. My schedule is completely erratic right now, and my listeners <laughs> should know this by now. Fair I drive, yeah. I, I so, drive yeah. a during the, the winter. So. 
we've got uh, Gateway coming out, which is our intro and new player product. Uh, you can ju- you'll be able to buy that from Drive Through Cards or Make Plan Cards, and um, it's got everything you need to learn the game and get involved in a little bit of the deck building in as simple a manner as possible. So if you've ever been tempted by a netrunner, that's the time. Uh, the other thing I just want to say is like good luck, and if whoever ends up on your Jade Council or whatever their branding is um, wants to reach out and um, ask about some of the mistakes that we've made, please do. Um, we Everyone in Nisei wants you to succeed. So, you know, don't be shy. We'll, we'll help you in, in, um, with as many of our lessons learned the hard way as we can. Thank, thank you so much, Serenity. Uh, I'm going to do my own uh, shout outs. Let's see. I'm going to give a shout out to my sister podcast, the Court Games RPG podcast. Uh, We have two actual play podcasts still going on Crimson Gold Agonies and Fortune and Strife. And we have our YouTube series, Tokyo of the Five Rings, talking about Japanese history, culture, and uh, religion. You can find this and more on our website, www.courtgamespod.com. Q Max's little announcer voice right here, where he gives tells you the website several more times. Um, if you like this podcast, any of the other podcasts, or just kind of want to see the Discord efforts go, even though the card game brand is dead and we have this kind of um, interesting and potentially exciting future going on the rpg and lore aside of l5r is still alive and well and so is our discord uh so you can and the other part podcast in the court games network still entirely mostly rpg and lore based so if you want to uh fund these efforts please check out our patreon um and give them a, give them a show us some love we need it more than ever these days uh, I've been your host, Trevor Cuba, Kikiti Onimaru, and I'll see you later, everyone. <laughs> Sayonara.